This is Brian Billick, and I'm joined by an old partner of mine, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Marvin Lewis. Welcome to the Coach Show podcast, where we're going to take you into Indianapolis and begin our week of Super Bowl 46. The Patriots team plane has just landed at Indianapolis Airport. New York Giants arrived here in Indianapolis as they get set to take on the Patriots for a second consecutive Super Bowl. Unbelievable that it's the same matchup at Super Bowl 42 as it is for Super Bowl 46. Marvin, let's talk about what these two teams are going through right now. We've been through this process together collectively. By the time we got down to, in our case, Tampa Bay, uh, Tuesday was media day. Let's talk a little bit about where we were as a team. You coordinating the defense and putting that game plan together. Was it, was it done then, or how much tweaking between now and the game did you actually do? Well, I think we were pretty much, you know, done with the plan, but uh, the ability to continue to, to look further at things and make sure we had everything locked down uh, and reduce the gray area so the players could play fast come Sunday. I remember the, the one bit of advice I got from a lot of different coaches. I remember Dan Reeves calling me and, and, and really going on for about 45 minutes to an hour telling me about his experience with the Super Bowl, what he needed to do, how you deal with the media and the game plan. Of course, he got to the end and said, you know what, I haven't won one of these things, so just do the opposite of everything I just told you. But, you know, we had made a point because we had gone the wild card route, as had the Giants. And if you remember, uh, I, I had very vivid memories that the bye week, we needed that bye week to get fresh. Had we had to play that that Sunday after, and we had to go east coast to west coast, we played a very physical uh, Oakland Raider team, we really needed that week off to kind of get our legs back underneath us. Well, it did, and it gave us an opportunity really to, to get back and really focus and practice and guys to learn and study, and uh, and it did. It was a refreshing week, and then we got down to, as I remember, getting to Tampa and it being warm and how excited the players were to get out and run around in the warm weather. Yeah, and we and I remember one of the things that, that we, we looked at was, and that one bit of advice that we did get was, have your game plan set going into the bye week because when you get down here two things happen you have so much extra time you tend to start changing the original plan you change it so many times you end up with the original plan you had anyway uh plus from the standpoint of of uh dealing with the players that they had to have a comfort zone with it that you had the proper plan that's how i was asking uh in terms of the tweaking during the week itself going forward did you were you comfortable you know i felt very comfortable from the get-go but you were on it from a play-by-play standpoint, when did you really become comfortable with your game plan and says, nope, I got it, I don't need to tweak this thing anymore? Well, I think when we got to Tampa, I mean, I felt good after the Tuesday uh, media day and we got back together, I think, as coaches. And then I really felt good going into our reviews of Wednesday, Thursday of what we were doing and felt really good about uh, our direction and, and particularly the focus of the players. I remember unique to us, I know in our preparation the week prior to the game, we, it was a little more than a walkthrough. You know, we practiced on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we had the game plan installed, really did very little physically, gave them Sunday off, came down here, and we actually put them in pads, if you remember, during the week, yeah. cause one, which was unique for us because we didn't put them in pads much much after October, really, uh, to kind of get that, get that feel about it and get back into it. Uh, and I thought that made a difference. I thought by the time we got back into that rhythm, that gave them the confidence that they were ready to go. Well, I think always felt, our guys felt like part of their edge was being physical and tough and aggressive. And by doing coming in here and, and working in pads on Wednesday, uh, that set a tempo and a tone for the rest of the week. Now, interesting, like the matchup here, we were playing the New York Giants, who at the time uh, were the number one seed. And they had a bye the first week, so they had that, that get you know the rest at that point, and then had the two games that they really won rather handily. They beat the Minnesota Vikings, I think it was almost 41 to nothing 
going into the Super Bowl. And, and again, we had to go with a good tighter game, but one that we were pretty much in control of uh, the whole way against Oakland. Uh, and so when we came back, their approach was decidedly different because they already had their time off. So they actually practiced a good deal harder the whole time leading up to the, uh, uh, the, the first uh, practice going into Tampa and then the week of the game. Yeah, that championship game, they looked pretty invincible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that changed your mind a little yeah, bit. So they, uh, they were. They came in. They had, uh, had played very, very well. They were very confident in what they were doing. And, uh, and so it was, uh, you know, we had to be, you know, prepare well. Uh, but we had our players' attention from what they had, you know, what they had done. The, uh, both these teams are, you're talking about a Tom Coughlin coach team and a Bill Belichick, both coming out of the Bill Parcells school. They've been here before. Uh, the routine for these guys, typically you'll look at it and say, like last year, was it a difference that Green Bay hadn't been through it a lot, that Pittsburgh had? These teams have been through this before. I can't imagine that both aren't extremely confident about the mindset of their players. They have. Uh, both coaches – uh, both groups, the leaders of both teams, the quarterbacks, uh, their defensive stars, they've all been through this. The guys up front, you know, which really lead the way for both teams. Uh, they've been through this, and I think uh, as they go through the week, they're able to help a lot of the young guys and, and really keep them uh, focused on what really why they're here, and, and that's to win the game come Sunday. And I think that's really the key, that, that, that it's the, the players that have been here, those veteran players, because the young players, you know, we always talk about players don't, it's always fun to watch young players that transition from, from preseason games to the regular seasons. They think they know what it is, and all of a sudden now it notches up a level. And then from the regular season to the postseason, my God, it comes up again. And now in the Super Bowl, it's even more. It steps up again. To have those veteran players kind of calm the young players as to what they're facing is huge. Well, they're, and they're watching everything they do. So they're, they're, they're eyeballing them. They're watching how they go about it, how they prepare, uh, what they're doing in their free time and so forth, and they're listening. And, uh, and so it's going to take that, you know, that direction from those guys. But uh, we, we know it's going to ratchet up. And the team that comes out and plays air-free and, uh, and can get off to a good start has a good leg up in this. Do you think everybody's talking about, you know, the 2009 game and the revenge factor? I mean, you've been at this a long time, and you've got a great feel for the players. Do you think players dwell on that at all? I don't know that the players dwell, but I think Coach Belichick is excellent. <laughs> tapping into it. Remember <laughs> how they did this to you. Room everything. I, I, you know, uh, you just watch and being around him and, and how he le leaves no stone unturned at trying to get his guys to focus in and, and just maybe a guy who's wavering and not just paying attention, but he'll get his attention by remembering that game. Yeah, and we have both quarterbacks, too, that I think uh, the thing that strikes me about these two quarterbacks, of course, Tom Brady is going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning, you know, tough tough duty in terms of being the younger brother of Peyton Manning. You're in New York, the scrutiny. But he's going after his second ball, as, uh, second Super Bowl as well. The thing that jumps out at me about Eli now, like a Tom Brady, like his brother Peyton, he um, has an intellectual approach to this game. He has a football intellect that even though it's not as flamboyant as Pey Peyton orchestrates his offense, or maybe as much as uh, Tom Brady does in, in the Patriots as well, he's in firm control of that offense. He's doing a lot more checking and calling at the line than a lot of people realize. Well, he does, and I think the thing that I 
impresses me every time you watch him is his calmness in the pocket, his ability to understand the situation, uh, to know when to not force the football. Uh, he even took a sack uh, in the game when they were in field goal range, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, I'm not going to be careless here with the football, and if i got to take the sack and take the field goal and take my lumps, we're getting points and we're moving forward. But he also does a great job, a great third down, uh, you know, after the onside kick where it's third and ten, and, and he's able to, to, to move in the pocket, find the guy sitting down in the free zone, and make a big completion for a first down. Well, let's let's talk about some of the matchups spe- specifically. Uh, let's look at the Giants' offense against the Patriots' defense. Um, obviously, a lot has been made about this game that we have a below-the-line group of de- defense. You know, what the Patriots were next to last or last in the league in defense. New York was 29th, something along that line. Now, neither one of these teams is playing to that level statistically. Both have played played better defensively than what those numbers were. Let's talk about that first. For me, for New York, it's real clear cut. They've just gotten healthy, and they're a much healthier team now than they were at any point during the season. Yeah, I think really what's happened with the New York defense is, as you said, they've gotten healthy. Uh, they've got guys that settled in now at linebacker. The defensive line got healthy. Now they're getting back after you. The secondary began to, to start playing together, gotten guys back in there healthy. They got the number one pick in there now playing. So they got an opportunity to get the same guys on the field week after week. And so Perry's able to, Perry Fuel's able to add defense and, and, and revise things and really, you know, get, get things locked down a little tighter. And that's the key for them, isn't it? Anytime you can put a four-man rush on Tom Brady, he is, as good as the Ravens played against them and have against Tom Brady, I don't know that the Ravens are a team. They've got to bring that fifth and sixth and seventh guy to get a pass rush on the quarterback. Outside of Terrell Suggs, they really don't have that one-two combination the way uh, New York does. And, and there were some vulnerabilities there, even though Tom Brady didn't have his best game against the, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, that front four of the New York Giants, and particularly – their rotation, they got seven, eight guys they roll through there, and that, that gives them a lot of latitude on the back end to handle this multiple attack of the New England Patriots. Yeah, when you can put Tuck and Pierre Paul inside, particularly Tuck, uh, you get a good matchup against some of the guards and some of the center, and they understand protection, they understand the turns, and they're going to get an opportunity uh, to, to add pressure from the inside, which allows those guys at the, on, the, on the edges uh, to make him step up. And, uh, that's going to be big. Now, you said something interesting that w- that I found interesting in terms of you look at the matchups, and as I look at it again, you think, well, you know, when, when, when you look at the way uh, uh, Tom Brady can, can uh, attack this New York Giant defense, um, I'm going to talk about the flip side of that in a minute. But in terms of Tom Brady, and you've seen this group before, uh, obviously they've gone the small ball, but it seems like as they've evolved on, it, he, they've always seemed to have an answer in that, okay, fine, if one week it's uh, you're going to take away Gronkowski and Hernandez, great, then Welker has 12 catches. Okay, you're going to take away Welker and Hernandez, okay, Gronkowski has the 12 catches. They always seem to have that third component. How much of a factor with Gronkowski, maybe not being 100%, that's got to affect it a little bit. I really think it does. Uh, you know, if you watch their offense, they're going to try to split the field. Uh, they've got, if when they're in their spread sets or even they're with the one single back sets, they've got three receivers or two receivers on one side. And based on your coverage and the look, 
quarterback's going to read one way, and then that's the side they're going to. And so the Giants have to do a great job of disguise, disruption, and be able to understand based on the formation and the cover where the read's going to come from. And then I think the other factor that against the Ravens last week is when they didn't huddle and they went right back to the line of scrimmage and they were able to hand the ball off, getting the Ravens moving around a little bit and a little bit unsettled in their defense and, and ran the ball for some 7, 8, 10-yard gains uh, versus the, a big, strong front the, the Baltimore has. That definitely impressed me, their willingness to hit the running game, stay with the running game, when you, like you said, when you get, get the look a little unsettled. Um, let me ask you, if you're playing, let's say Rob Gronkowski is healthy or relatively healthy. What do, you, what do you do with him? You can't put a nickel guy on him because they'll out-muscle him. If you put a linebacker or a safety on him, now all of a sudden he's going to run wild on those guys. How, how would you stop him? Well, I, I think you really you have to change it up. But I think the, the critical thing, particularly with a high ankle sprain, if you can be disrupted early on him, that's going to help. But what impresses me is when he catches these basic routes or these in-breaking routes and how he separates away from coverage all the time. Uh, that which is what really separates him uh, from some of the other tight ends. He catches these, these seam routes and these vertical routes when they're running the different vertical picks. <coughs> and if they go to sleep on him, he's catching the ball over top of a, of a linebacker. I thought I would see more against Baltimore, and we might see it against New York. But as much focus as you have to bring to the inside from the numbers to the numbers to account for the three guys we talked about, whether it be a branch, whether it be Chad Ochocinco, that one of those guys or both would come up with a big play because of the one-on-one matchup they would get because so much of the focus of the defense has to go inside. Yeah, you know, there, there really is, and there's times, and in, in going back and watching the tape of just a week ago, you can see some of those verticals where they passed on them and, uh, and didn't throw them where I think if you if you sleep on Tom Brady and he's looking at it, he's watching it, he's going to come right back, and they're going to check you out and make sure you stay in top leverage on the outside uh, when you're trying to bracket and do the different things to disrupt and take care of the core of the offense. When you have a guy like Tom Brady, you mentioned the no huddle from that the way it disrupted um, Baltimore. And I know that tests the defense. It tests the substitutions that you can get in. You get in the calls. Talk about some of the things you do defensively when you're, whether it's a Peyton Manning, whether it's Tom Brady, that you can, because you don't want to get so conservative that you just take check cover two. And so, because now they're just going to rip you apart. Talk about how you have to counter that defensively. You, you really do. You've got to be able to have a, a defensive package uh, that has some variety in it. You've got to have some, some four-man rush you're going to have to have with these guys because they could be in the spread. You're going to have to have some three-man rush. You're going to have some six-man pressure. You're going to have to have some two-deep shell coverage, some four-deep shell coverage, some three-deep coverage. So you have to have some variety, and, uh, and I'm sure that's what the Giants spent a week on, and now they'll try to refine it down here this week at making sure that if they don't huddle, they probably will practice all week without huddling because uh, they never know when they're going to go in and out of the huddle. We talked about the revenge factor from 2009. These teams played each other this year. Uh, and looking back in your experiences now, how much will they draw from that last game? Or is it become a, well, based on the last game, we did this, so we know that you know that I know we know, so we're going to – I mean, how much of that becomes into play? I, I think they will draw a lot upon the, the first time they played this year. I think that's really important. Uh, there's a lot of the same players uh, playing, uh, but as you look at breaking down an offense from the defensive point of view, you're going to see the protections and things like that. And conversely, offensively, they're going to see how they were attacked by coverage and leverage and so forth. And so you're getting first-hand look at things, and then you're going to go into the early part of the game, and and their opening, you know, their scripted opening plays are probably going to play to what this, the looks they saw the first time around. Let's flip it over a little bit. Let's talk about the New England Patriots. 
um, and and how how they're going to approach. You said something interesting uh, that I want to get back to now. You know, Bill Belichick's known for taking away. He's going to take away that one thing. And as you look at the New England Patriots defense sizing up the New York Giants offense, you're, you thought that clearly they were going to decide, okay, we're just not going to let you throw the ball. you got the three excellent receivers and Cruz, Manningham, and Knicks, that because of that focus – uh, that you felt like the New York Giants might be able to run the ball pretty well this week. I do. I think, uh, you know, Coach does a great job in taking away what he he measures as your strength. And I think the strength of the Giants right now is, is Eli and that ball in his hand and getting the ball to these big physical receivers. Uh, those guys, whether it be vertical throws, whether it be uh, making first downs, but they're making big plays and they're stretching the defense and they're making big plays on guys. And I see that being a, an opportunity for them to be able to run the football effectively and, and gain some yards with their one-back runs that they do such a great job of and, and some, the screen game. I've been getting after Coach Belichick a little bit this week by, by basically saying – I think Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick ought to be put in the Hall of Fame right now for putting this defense together and, and getting to the championship game with a guy like Julian Edelman, a converted wide receiver that's in your nickel and defensive package. But then Bill Belichick, the, the general manager, I got some questions for us. How is it you get to this point with all the good drafts you've had that you got to play Julian Edelman in your secondary? I mean, you ought to be able to find someone better than that. Well, I think he, he they really do a good job of – of maximizing the guys that they've got suited up on Sunday. And, uh, you know, and he understands it. And I think, uh, you know, Edelman has gone in there and, and understands the, the coverage and the leverage part of it. And, he, and you see that quickness that makes him such a good offensive player uh, when he's playing in there on defense. It didn't seem shy at all at tackling. Yeah, and but this is a little bit, although obviously uh, Baltimore has a pretty talented group, can stretch you. The fact that you got three guys that can go so vertical and are so good after the catch for New York, I think that's going to stretch that secondary of the Patriots just a little bit more than maybe Baltimore or certainly more than, than Denver did. Well, they're going to have to get their hands on them, and they're going to have to get their hands on them, and the safety's going to have to do a great job uh, if they're playing high coverages uh, where the safeties do a great job with their discipline and so forth so that they can give those corners some, some leverage help and not get, uh, you know, because Baltimore had a couple times where they ran the little the little shake routes and those sort, and they had guys open and they missed the throws. And uh, I think, you know, Eli Manning will hit those throws if they're open. You talked about their, their maybe being vulnerable in the running game because they're going to focus on the passing game with Eli Manning and that group of receivers. But I tell you what, the, that game last week, uh, Vince Wolford, just dominated the inside. What a presence he was against Baltimore, and and uh, likely could do the same things against the uh, against the Giants. He's a he's a big, strong man who understands how to play. Plays with his shoulders square, and uh, he's really helped settle that the defense down. They got Mayo back, and they're doing a great job inside. He and Spikes, and so uh, you're seeing you know getting guys back and healthy, and now they're playing that run game. They did a great job of playing the run. Uh, against the Ravens, who is a very, very good running football team, and they did an excellent job of keeping them from running the football that way. What, what do we draw from um, from this game in terms of uh, when you look at these two teams and the matchups that they have, where they've been defensively, what do we draw from this game in terms of where we are as a league? Uh, I always look at the four teams in the championship game and say, okay, what does this tell us about a league? Uh, and we talked about, obviously, you got tight end presence. You better have a good quarterback <laughs> and likely better be a first-rounder. Of course, you guys really hit on a great second-rounder, and Andy Dalton played so well in, in, in his first year and, and even to the point of a Pro Bowl. Um, but, but the fact that these defenses, I know the rankings don't really 
indicate how good they are. But is that clearly where we are as a league right now, that, that if you have that trigger quarterback, you can run the ball adequately and just play adequate defense, and that can get you to the Super Bowl? I, you know, I, I think if you don't turn it over, Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the other factor that comes into play. You got to win that turnover margin, and uh, and that's what helps because you can play if you're playing uh, spotty defense and you're getting turnovers, you're getting the ball back and putting it in your offense's hands, and you're minimizing the other team's opportunity to score uh, because this team didn't give up a lot of scores; they just gave up a lot of yards and so forth. And they did a good job of of staying in football games that way. And uh, you got to play good red zone defense and get turnovers. Yeah, I guess that's the other big thing that jumped at me in the Baltimore game with regards to, to New England. Their ability, they gave up some yards, but they stiffened down there in the red zone. Do you think New York is capable of doing that same type of, you know, making it, turn it in seven points into three points? Well, there's where those big receivers come into play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big difference there. You know, now you're talking about three guys, you know, very similar like the Anquan Bolden and so forth. But, but they've got three of these guys now and their ability to go up and make plays uh, in the end zone. The, also, the Giants' ability to run the football. you got two backs that can make people miss, and I think that's always a factor when you're playing down there and playing red zone defense is their ability to hand that football off and make that six, seven-yard gain, and now it's second and three, and at the, at the worst, third and three, where you have options. Uh, let's talk about a, a player you're very familiar with, Chad Ochocinco. Um, and it was interesting, and no one knows him better than you and all the good things and tough things that go with Chad. Some observations have been made that <clears throat> going into New England, it made a lot was made of, okay, you've got to become now that disciplined player. You have to step into this atmosphere. You're not going to be here if you do the things that we've seen Chad do before. And he has done that. He's kind of come over to that dark side, but you haven't gotten the productivity either. Is that one of those things where you got to kind of put up off one if you're going to get the other? Well, I don't know that. I, I think the biggest thing with, with Chad is him coming in and, and having to learn a, a new offensive system. He had been in one system for uh, his entire career, and he has to come in and learn a new one. And uh, everybody else has already hit it running. Uh, you have to do it with no off season and so forth, and uh, time is more limited now. And I think that's been the thing. Uh, I think it's been a, a, a good experience for him. Uh, he'll have an opportunity, I think, going forward in the future. You never know what he can do. He still has the explosiveness, ability to separate, but uh, – but there's a you know um, you know uh, nobody wants to perform and do better on the big stage than Chad Johnson. I, I still can't. Call <laughs> I know, and I don't think he knows that Ocho Cinco doesn't mean eighty-five. That, that's no. Ochete Cinco, and I don't know if he's figured he that out. Figured yet. that out, you know, like when they when he did it. But uh, but anyway, it's not it's not as sexy as what Ocho Cinco. <laughs> exactly so. right. Well, let, I have to. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about your team a little bit. And I got to tell you, I was, so impressed with what you were able to do. Uh, most people going in, the transition you were going through, Carson Palmer leaving, going with a second-round quarter, uh, second-round pick at your quarterback and Andy Dalton. You had such a young team. Uh, the expectations. I, I would imagine that that most people, particularly in Cincinnati, had you had going into the season had guaranteed eight and eight. That it said done. That 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 would have been an amazing year. And for you guys to do what you did. Find your way into the playoffs. Uh, had a great run. You you have to be thro- so thrilled with how they responded in the first year. Well, I, I thought our guys did an excellent job of uh, of coming together as a football team and uh, and really uh, were productive. Starting, they, they followed the plan. We knew we had to be a good running football team, a disciplined defensive football team, and not turn the football over on offense. And, and as you said, our number one pick, A.J. Green, 
really came in and, and, and was a big impact offensively. Our offensive line did a fine job keeping our quarterback upright, being able to effectively run the ball. And, and Andy Dalton just played uh, lights out. You know, he took care of the ball. Ball was quick out of his hand. And the defense did a great job of not giving up explosive plays and keeping us in every football game. Yeah, so impressed with the job that Mike Zimmer did and really with kind of a group of no-names, you know, that, that uh, I don't know that a lot of people around the league, if you say give me the name of a couple guys on the Cincinnati Bengal defense, even though it was a top-10 defense, I don't know that they could have done it. So you really did do it from a team mentality. And that's been big, and those guys bought into that, and uh, uh, they're they're big. We got the big Samoan contingent up front, and uh, it's a true family. And uh, they play hard, they prepare hard. Mike's done a great. Mike Zimmer's done a great job uh, in preparing them week in and week out. And when they hit the practice field every Wednesday, they know the the opponent. You know they're beginning to learn them inside and out. And by Sunday, they got it locked down. Yeah, you have some latitude in this uh, this upcoming draft. You got two first round picks. That that allows usually a guy to double it up and move up. You can throw one off and still have first round. Pick up some other. You you could own the the, the beginning day of the draft here. Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, you know, we really are. We're looking forward to having that, and uh, we have an opportunity to add some new uh, some new young players that can make an immediate impact uh, for us right away. And we got to be just as diligent as we were a year ago and making sure we get the right guys, the right kind of guys, and, and put them with the rest of the group of guys we have. And I imagine having now a full off season with your quarterback, and a lot of people can't uh, fully appreciate what a great job it was for Andy Dalton to come in and do what he did with absolutely no off season to now and that, that transition from year one to year two is so critical. Uh, and for him to now have that time to get with your coordinator, Jay Gruden, and really spend the appropriate amount of time to make that transition from a rookie to a non-rookie. It is. It's, it's exciting. And, and uh, uh, sitting across from those guys and uh, being with the rookies there after when we finished the season after we lost in the playoffs and talking to them about that and seeing the, the, the gleam in their eye, uh, the fact that, you know what, we're, we're not rookies anymore, and here we go, and we get an opportunity now to not just prepare to be drafted, but prepare to be a great NFL player this coming off season. Well, this is going to be it for our podcast this week, so I've got even though we'll talk about it on the show, on our coaches' show, and you and I are going to be together both Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but you got you got to give me, and this is part of the media deal now, that you got to make these bonehead predictions going forward. <laughs> How do you see this game matching up and who you go with? I, I like Eli Manning. I like Eli Manning. I like, uh, I just like the Giants and disruption and so forth. And uh, you know, I want to, you know, see him dissect uh, uh, the Patriot offense. And and I like the Giant defense and and winning this football. You game. know, I'm with you, and I've been doing. You know, obviously with the bye week we had and the the other things I've been doing, I haven't found anybody. Now, let's remember the Patriots are favored here. But I haven't found anybody, when we sit down and talk about it, that don't think that the Giants don't have that edge. I, I, it's hard for me to figure out why the Patriots get the, the edge. Of course, the, the bookies put their money where their mouth are, so you know maybe we should pay attention to it. <laughs> well, they get the edge because they got a great, great quarterback. They've been there. They're, they're Bill Belichick's an excellent football coach, and his staff have done a great job. And, uh, you know, they got good players over there, too. But, uh, but I just like uh, the way the Giants are playing, and, and they rise to the occasion, man, and, uh, and I really like what they're doing. 
Well, that's going to do it for our podcast this week, the Coach and Book Show podcast. Of course, you know you can always find it on iTunes or go to NFL.com slash podcast. Of course, I always want to hear from you. I want you to tweet me at Coach Billick. Coach Lewis is going to be with me on the Coach's Show, which you know this week a little bit different than usual. We're going to be on 6.30 to 7 Eastern time all week long, Tuesday through Friday. Coach will join me both uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Jack Del Rio uh, and uh, Mike Smith will join me on uh, Wednesday, and then Jack Del Rio again on, on Friday. So uh, make sure you check us out on the Coach's Show at 6.30 on the NFL Network Eastern time.